Welcome to Beyond Meditation Podcast. I'm Anna. And I'm Jazzy. We started this podcast to share new ways to quiet the mind, get in touch with who you really are, and find alignment with purpose. We are here to empower you with our stories, tools, and knowledge. So grab some tea, bring your journal, and let's go go Beyond beyond meditation. Meditation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond Meditation Podcast. It's your hosts, Anna and Jazzy. Today, we have a very special guest on. I'm super excited to chat with her and introduce you all to her. Her name is Virginia Waldron, and she is um, a teacher of mine. And um, I will just tell you a little bit about her before uh, we introduce her. Virginia Waldron is a certified consulting hypnotist, as well as a certified instructor for hypnosis through the National Guild of Hypnotists. She has been working with clients and teaching throughout Syracuse and Central New York area since 2000. She's also trained and certified in past life regression through the International Board of Regression Therapy. Virginia is also certified in life between lives regression through the Michael Newton Institute, and she's also an alliance trainer for the Newton Institute. Her private practice in Central New York is Gatekeeper, Gatekeeper Alternative Guidance. She is also the founder and director of the Rose Heart Center, where she offers remote individual sessions in past life regression and life between lives regression, as well as professional level training programs in hypnosis and past life regression, which I have had the honor to go through. And that is why we asked her to come on today to talk um, about actually to talk mainly about life between lives and, you know, all things hypnosis as well. So welcome, Virginia. Thank you. So I was wondering what originally inspired you to get into uh, hypnosis originally and then to eventually teach it to others. Originally, originally. um, Brian Weiss, Dr. Brian Weiss. um, I... I don't, I didn't know about reincarnation or past lives when I was young, but I knew what they were. I just didn't know what the words were. I think I was 11 when I first heard the word reincarnation and it was, my reaction was, oh, other people know about this. That's really kind of fun. Um, And I had gone through my life, various things happening in my life, including getting married, having children, et cetera, et cetera. but then in 1994, I was at home. I was a stay-at-home mom. I was going to go back to school when my children were in school, and then I was going to do whatever it was I was going to do when I grew up. And I was at home, you know, folding laundry and watching daytime television like you do. And I saw Brian Weiss talking about his first book, his second book, Through Time into Healing. His first book was Many Lives, Many Masters, and that was already it had been published. And then. Um, he was talking about the second one. He was talking about past life regression as a therapy, as a healing modality. And without even thinking about what I was saying or what it meant, I just out of my mouth came the words, that's mine. Where do I find it? And it's almost like the universe went, okay, it's yours. Within a month, because um, I'm also a seamstress, I was doing some, making some costumes for a dance group my husband was in. And um, one of the other uh I think it was a mother, one of the other dancers. We were sewing together and chatting like you do. And um, 
Oh, what do you do? Oh, what do you do? Well, she goes, well, I'm a past life regression therapist. I went, oh, okay, tell me how, what steps, how do I do this? And she said, well, you do this, 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 and this, and then you're good. And so it, the universe opened the door and um, my heart said, go. And I, I went and did it. Um, and I first had to do the training in, in hypnosis. That's like the basis. And I did that through the National Guild because I wanted to be as professional as I could be because we live in a world of professionalism. And if you are a quote unquote professional with professional credentials, you're more likely to be taken seriously. So I wanted to do it all in that order, in, in that way. So the National Guild of Hypnotists is the oldest professional organization that teaches hypnosis, that uh, trains, that supports, that provides guidance for hypnotists in, in the, it's called the National Guild, but it's actually international. <clears throat> so um, I went there. This is what this this other woman, Nancy, told me to do. So I went through them. I did my training. I had to go to Rochester every Saturday for nine weeks. We only did it on Saturdays um, to get my 100 hours. And then from there, I went through the, um, these are all the steps that she told me to do. So I did my National Guild Hypnosis and then the International Association for Aggression Research and Therapy, also known as IART, was what I contacted to do my past life regression training. And uh, they no longer exist. They closed up their doors, but there's other trainings available. And a spinoff of, of IART is the International Board for Aggression Therapy, which is the organization that is, um, I teach, I'm aff affiliated, my teaching program is affiliated through them. Um, and um, they are sort of filling in the gap of being a professional supportive organization that does professional level credentials for this sort of work. And then someone told me about uh, Michael Newton's book, um, Soul Journeys, and it was the same thing. I read, started to read the book, and I just went, that's mine. How do I do it? And at that point, I knew, okay, uh, the universe is going to open that door. It took almost a year, but finally someone said, oh, I know, heard you read this book. They're doing this training in um, Virginia Beach. And I went, okay, where am I going to get the money? How am I going to do this? I'm going to do this. And I actually had to borrow the money from my own um, nest egg. And um, off I went to Virginia Beach. And for a week, I was down there. And I did the training for the Newton Institute. And then it took me a couple of years to certify through them. And and then I was doing it. And I've been doing it ever since. And it's like, this is my passion. This is my path. Uh, the past life regression primarily, but the life between life work is also incredibly powerful. And just before, because I actually went, I did my undergraduate, then I went to graduate school, and then I did the hypnosis. And just before I signed on to do graduate school, I have a master's degree in transpersonal psychology, which is spiritual psychology. Um, and it was like a huge loan I was taking on. I kind of went into my meditation and I said, OK, guys, what am I supposed to do with this? What is, what is my purpose in this life? And I knew it was my guide because it wasn't my voice. And he said, teach the others the truth about death. And I went, got it. OK, that's what I'm going to do. And then I continued and um by 2007 because it takes you a while to get all the things done by 2007 i was certified in life between life work and i've been doing it ever since and um i've done it myself as a client and i as a facilitator and it is life-changing it is powerful it is fascinating and i get to play with some of the coolest people so i love it
I love that so much of what you just said resonates so much with my own story. I'm going to have some questions for you after this okay. <laughs> on a personal level. Um, but uh, I did, I, I am curious as we delve deeper into this episode, because uh, we just recorded one with just Annan. So she taught us a lot about some of the fundamentals of hypnosis and her own journey in your class. And I'm really curious because she also talked about some of the benefits to hypnosis, but what we didn't cover, and I'm curious to hear from you is what are some of, if there are any um, warnings or cautions for those that have never experienced hypnotherapy? Some of the reasons why you might not do it is if uh, the individual has um, some fairly severe personality disorders, if they are unable to discern between reality and their own personal fantasies, um, if they're severely paranoid. Because when you go, when you're working with hypnosis, and um, I have to say in New York State, I don't do hypnotherapy. I am not a therapist in New York State. I, legally, I have to say this. I am a certified consulting hypnotist. So when I work with hypnosis with a client, um, you're, you're, you're sort of trust. You're not sort of, you are very trusting and you're sitting in my chair. Your eyes are closed. Unless you know me, you don't quite know what I might be saying or where we might be going. So you have to be open and trusting. And if someone is unable to do that, if they're too fearful, if they're too uh, anxious, uh, they're too concerned with safety, they would not allow themselves to be open to the guidance that's brought. So um, now many of, uh, we had two in our class, with Anna's class, we had two therapists who could do more of the uh, psychological therapy, personality disorders, psychosis, those sorts of things. I don't have that qualification. So if someone has severe paranoia, if they're very, um, if they're always, if safety is an issue for them, I would actually have to uh, refer them out to someone who is a qualified therapist, like the woman I mentioned earlier. Um, she's a certified mental health practitioner in New York State, and I refer them out to her if I don't have all the tools that they need. Um, another reason why someone might not want to use hypnosis is if they are not ready to go into what's really going on beneath the surface. And generally speaking, if someone says, oh, I want to do this, this sounds really, really cool, but nothing happens, that's because their higher mind is saying, no, you're not ready. You're not going to be able to do this. And I'll share a quick story with that. I was working with a young woman. Um, she'll probably never listen to this, so I can say it. It's my daughter. And just as I was training, um, all three of my daughters wanted to do this as I was doing the past life regression. And um, they all wanted to do a past life journey. And this daughter was 11 years old. I wasn't trained yet, but I had a therapist that I was working with who was doing past life regression and um, she wanted to try it. So I took her to this therapist who was a doctor and, you know, very capable and been doing it for 30 plus years and um, nothing happened. Couldn't get there. It was blocked. And if the higher mind blocks, you're not going to, nothing's going to happen. You can't go there. So um, nothing happened. And she was very frustrated and I was very disappointed, but it, it was what it was. A year later, when I was trained thinking, well, maybe she just wasn't comfortable with a stranger. She said, Mom, I want to try it with you. And I said, OK, we'll try it. And the same thing happened. Nothing. 
So while she was in a trance state, which is what hypnosis is, basically going into an altered state, I said to her higher mind, okay, we accept the fact that you're not going to let her do this journey, but we we deserve an, an explanation. And the explanation was she's not old enough. She's not ready. Okay. How old does she need to be before she's ready? 15. Okay, Jess, we got to wait until you're 15. When she was 15, um, she was able to do it. And she, she'd actually had these dreams before we did the past life regression. But there are three separate storylines that we went into. And all three of them were where she was a soldier or was involved in a uh, war of some kind. And just a side issue, Jessica was uh, always um, her nickname when she was nine years old and she discovered gaming and online gaming and all sorts of, you know, electronic gaming. Her nickname was Warrior Jess. That's what she called herself, Warrior Jess. In all three of these past lives, she died violently because of a violent encounter. Two of them, she was a soldier. One of them, she was a Japanese woman. And she said, I'm standing outside my house and there's this horrible noise. And then everything is bright and really, really painful. So all three of those were violent deaths and her young mind wasn't able to cope. So your higher mind is always going to keep an eye on you and keep you safe and guide you true. So if that whatever is beneath the surface that that the hypnosis and the trance work touches and brings to the surface, whatever is there, if it's more than the higher the higher mind believes the psyche can handle you won't go there. It won't let you. That's incredible. We trust that. Now, that being said, you'd be amazed at how strong you are and how much you can handle. But yeah, mm-hmm. you can trust that. I always find our brains and just like our human body so fascinating and how it keeps us safe. And, you know, uh, when you're not ready for something, it'll it'll tell you. You won't go there. Or when you are ready, it will go there. And you're like, wow, I didn't know all this <laughs> yeah. stuff was here. Huh? And, if, and if you don't pay attention, it'll get out that psychic two by four, which really isn't fun. What are some uh, side effects of hypnosis in general? Relaxation. Mm-hmm. Uh, feeling lighter, feeling more comfortable inside your own skin. Um, sometimes you start to uncover stuff and then you can't stop. (laughs) You just want to keep going and do more and explore more. And, um, I've had someone want to do a past life and then they're like, that is so cool. I want to do the the life between life work next. They just want more. Um, usually with hypnosis, depending on what you're doing, um, it's focused on change. It's a process of change. So generic hypnosis might be, um, accomplishing a goal like, quitting smoking, smoking cessation, um, chronic pain management, weight loss, things like that. And that's just change, changing habits, changing how you move through life so that you're creating the life that you want to live. Um, And then when you're going into the age regression and the past life regression and the life between life work, which is my specialty, um, seeing yourself as a whole soul being rather than just one body, one person, one life. Uh, you lose the fear of death because you understand death is just a shift from one state of being into another. It's like going into another room or taking off a really heavy coat. Um, you begin to see yourself in a broader picture that you have so much more to you 
and that you are not limited to what is going on in your current life. This life is but a moment in your eternal existence as a soul being. So depending on what you're doing with it, it can be um, positive. I feel good about myself to holy cow. I am this amazing thing, this amazing being. So it just depends on what you do with it. It sounds really transformational. Is it possible for somebody to like, if somebody comes to see you, for example, for weight loss um, and they're doing the hypnosis program with you, is it possible for them to undo the work that you've done with them? What do you mean undo? Like go backwards? Go back to old habits or? Sure, absolutely. It's called self-sabotage. And that just means that they're not willing to go through the process of change. They usually when someone chooses to stay in a self-destructive pattern like smoking or overeating or addictive behaviors, it's because they still got something to gain from that self-destructive negative behavior. And they're not willing to trust who they are besides that behavior. So, for example, if someone has so identified with what some um, would call their body of pain, that they don't know what is underneath that and they're not willing to try, they're not willing to let go to become more, then, you know, I, you can do everything that you want and yet they're not allowing themselves to, to be guided by it. So, yeah, I had one woman, um, she wanted to lose weight and uh, she was doing um, daycare in her home and she's, I, we were talking about her eating habits, habits and patterns. And she said, well, I give the kids all these snacks and treats and what they don't f- eat, I finish off so it's not wasted, you know, but she's feeding them Doritos and Cheetos and, you know, junk food. And I said, well, that's got to be one of the places that you start making changes. She goes, oh, no, no, no. Don't make me change anything I'm doing. Just help me lose weight. Right. You know what? Here's your money. I, I, I can't. No, it's not going to work. It's magic, right? (laughs) Uh, I tell my students when I'm working with a basic hypnosis that smokers are the most challenging because half the time they don't really want to quit. Yeah. They just are doing it because someone bullied them into it. And if they don't want to change, they don't want to go through that process of change. You can't make them. I can't make you do anything you don't want to do. Earlier, you mentioned, you know, the differentiation between somebody that practices hypnotherapy versus hypnosis. Um, what can someone expect by a practitioner that is trained in only hypnosis versus a therapist that has incorporated hypnosis into their practice? Um, if you're working with me, because I am not a hypnotherapist, if you're working with me, if it turns out that there are other things going on that you need a proper therapist to work with you, let's say, for example, and this is actually from a, a true uh, a client, uh, she had eating patterns that were self-destructive, bulimic. And um, that's where you're eating and then throwing up, eating and then throwing up. And using age regression, we did some work. It took us a couple of sessions, but she went back to, and using age regression, you go backwards through time into your current life. She went back to a memory of being four years old and molested and assaulted by her neighbor. And that's when the self-destructive pattern started. She had totally forgotten that. She had repressed it completely, but we brought it out to the surface. At that point, because I am not a therapist and I don't specialize in eating disorders or um, 
sexually abused children, I had to refer her out because that was not something I was qualified to help her with. And first and foremost, your client's health and well-being and what is going to serve their greatest and highest good is right there. That's your prime directive. And if they need more than what you've got, you have to help them find or refer them out or at least say, I can't help you with this. You need to find someone that can. So mm-hmm. that's where that that went. Yeah. With her. Yeah. So um, if you're working with someone, let's say, for example, my, my business partner, Cindy, who is a shamanic practitioner, by the way, um, she is a licensed mental health practitioner in New York State. So if that happened with her, she would just put on her other hat and take you into that realm and what she, the work that she's doing. So she would you wouldn't need to be referred out if you're working with her. You're you've got the person that um that you need right there. Um if for example someone contacted you and said, Can hypnosis help with alcoholism or drug addiction? Um, if I am a therapist specializing in substance abuse as well as hypnosis, then yes, absolutely I can. But if I am not qualified in substance abuse by New York State, um, I can help you, but you need to have a working therapist who is qualified in New York State on board and the, and the two of us working together to help you. Then it's amazing, but that's just the legalities of it. Yeah, and I think it's really important for people to understand the difference because people like to use the term hypnotherapy, kind of throw it around a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what do you think... Besides the willingness, you know, to change, what do you think makes um, a hypnosis session or sessions successful? Primarily the client's willingness to change, um, a good rapport between the two of you, between you and your client, an understanding that um, you and your client are partners, you're working collaboratively, and your agendas, um, your agenda as a hypnotist Anna, is uh, the client's uh, greatest and highest good, right? And and if the client feels safe with you, if the client feels that that's what's guiding you, then um, they're going to be trusting and they're going to be open to whatever you bring with, with to the table with them. Um, and then, of course, having uh, being able to think on your feet. And being able to go with the changes that are that, that just very often things sort of spontaneously happen or there's a spontaneous shift in the client's perspective. And you got to be able to go with that and see where it leads. Um, I had one one client. Um, she was fantastic. I loved her. I loved working with her. She was working with, with, with weight management. I told the story in class. She was working with weight management and her issue was she was afraid to go to sleep. She had this deep-seated belief that it wasn't safe to sleep. So she was chronically sleep-deprived. And studies have shown there's a direct line between chronic sleep deprivation and weight uh, issues. Um, and she didn't. She wasn't uh, a good sleeper, and she needed to lose like 100 pounds. And I, you know, this is what you do. You say, okay, let's go to the very first time that you experienced that statement, it's not safe to sleep. Go the very first time you experienced that, which is called age regression. Go, to, you know, my head said something happened when she was very, very little and when she was asleep in bed and it's not safe. That's where my head went. Fortunately, I kept my big mouth shut because that is not what happened. She went into a past life spontaneously. 
She goes, oh, my God, I'm this huge body. Oh, my God, I'm a man. And I went, OK, stop. <laughs> we have to talk about this because we I didn't know how she felt about the idea of previous lives or was it offensive to her? She was, would she take offense at the idea of this um, concept? So I brought her out of it and I said, OK, that's what this is. And I, I need to know what you want to do. And she said, I want to go find out what happened to the guy. So we went back in as a past life journey, and it was directly connected to her weight issues and her fear of going to sleep because she went into a previous life of being a Viking chieftain. And uh, it was his turn to keep watch at night and he fell asleep and the village was attacked and everyone was killed. It was direct connection to the whole weight issue. And uh, last time I talked to her, she'd lost 50 pounds. So bringing that truth to light and releasing that false fear really made a big difference in her efforts to kind of regain control of her body. That is so interesting how we might or can bring stuff from previous lives into this life, into our current life, into the present moment and have it affect us. Oh, yeah. It's a big deal. We, we, and we choose it. I mean, this is what we've learned with our life between life work. We choose something that we haven't resolved from a previous life. And we sort of cherry pick over this one and that one over there. Oh, I need to do that one. And then you bring those those unresolved or unfinished issues into the current life where they're triggered and we get a chance to work through them in another lifetime. Very much so. So interesting. A few months ago, I watched this movie, I think it was called Hypnotic on Hulu. I don't know if either one of your, maybe it was Netflix, uh, if either one of you have seen it, but it was about this hypnotist that basically was hypnotizing their, his clients against their will. And it was, to me, it was kind of a scary movie. Because when you're going to these therapists or these professionals, you know, there's some level of trust that you need to to give them. And so I guess I'm kind of curious, is that possible to be able to hypnotize somebody against their will? Um, not really. There has to be um, a willingness on some level. Um, essentially, the, 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 the black and white answer is I can't make you do anything you don't want to do. All right. And I know that the media presents a very different picture to things like hypnosis than is really part of the experience of doing it. There's several movies. There's one I think is hysterical called Office Space. First off, it's a hysterical movie. Secondly, I mean, it starts out with these people with a hypnotist in an office and the guy kills over and dies and they go off and do weird stuff. Well, no, if the if you're in a deep trance state and the hypnotist in I'm going to say get up and leaves the room because I don't want anyone to get up and just keel over and die. If I got up and left the room, you would just either come out of it going, the hell happened? Or you might take a nice nap. You know, that's all that would happen. Um, no one, uh, there was another show. It was called Hamish Macbeth. It was like a little Scottish soap opera. And in one episode, they had this person who would knock on, it's a little village up in the Highlands in Scotland. And he would knock on the door and you'd open your door and then he would hypnotize you. And while you're standing there staring out into the space, he'd come in the house and rob you. And then he'd leave. No, that doesn't happen. That that Someone cannot hypnotize you totally against your will like that. Um, 
if you've ever watched a hypnosis show, which I highly recommend because they're wonderful fun. Um, the first thing they do is ask for volunteers. You know, you have to be willing on some level to get up there and do this. There was one um, story I do have about that where it's a little bit, mm, a little bit gray area. Um, a colleague of mine who's a social worker and who specialized in hospice care. Um, she was with a family. The the grandmother was the mother was dying and she was with the, the children and the in-laws and sort of helping them process their grief. And grandmother mother was was taking her last breath. And there was one son who was freaking out. He was, was a son in law. I forget. Anyway. He was having a hard time with it, and he was venting and broadcasting his pain and his struggle, and he was upsetting everybody else. And it was making it difficult for everybody else. So my colleague, um, who is a, a social worker and a therapist and a hypnotist, just kind of sat down next to him, and she did what we call mirroring, which is she basically got him to link eyes with her and keep eye contact going and then start breathing and matching his breathing and his blinking and then start slowing hers down. And as she slowed her blinking and her breathing down, he started to calm down. And gradually he became more and more calm and gradually his eyes just closed and he went into a calm state. Um, because she was in the room with them and because he had a certain level of trust because she'd been working with the family, she was able to guide him into a calmer state. So on some level, there was agreement there that he was willing to let her take him into a calmer state. But he had to go along with the blinking and the breathing. He went along with what she was doing and slowed him down. Um, if someone were to Say, I'm a hypnotist and I can help you quit smoking. And then he would um, put you in a deep trance state and say, now you're going to give me all the money in your wallet. Unless you were so inclined, you wouldn't do it. If someone gave you a ridiculous suggestion like that, you'd come out of it going, uh, no, that's not going to happen. Um, I can't make you do anything that you wouldn't normally do, that you wouldn't be inclined to do. Then there's another movie. You ever watch Gross Point Blank? Mm -hmm. Okay, it's a movie where um, I think it's John Cusack and Dan Aykroyd, and I love them, so it was great. But uh, this guy basically was in the military and doing personality tests. They assessed that he had a certain personality trait that would make it possible for them to train him to be an assassin. And they used hypnosis and hypnotic suggestion to get him to do some of the things that they wanted him to do because he already had that predilection to be an assassin. And some have said that the government is actually doing that. I don't know. There's a lot of paranoia out there and conspiracy theories, but um, basically because he already had that inclination, they could train him using hypnosis to be an assassin. But yeah, there are a lot of um government files that have been declassified over the last few years that kind of talk about their yeah. experiments with hypnosis and remote viewing and yeah. other, you know, psychic ability type things. It's really interesting to kind of read and look into those files. Yep. Also, that's a great movie. Highly recommend yeah. it. To all our I, it was fun. It's, it's got a little bit of violence in there. 
but it, I mean, those, those Dan Aykroyd, come on. So, yeah. <laughs> so, oh no, it's God. not it, it. It really isn't. Even if you're working with a with a, um, a corrupt or disreputable hypnotist. No, they really can't unless you're willing to go along with the nonsense. They can't. And that's why I always recommend check the credentials. If you want to do this kind of work and it's amazing work and it's powerful and you can really accomplish a lot by working with your own inner uh, guidance in your own realms, you want to make sure the person that you're going to trust is worthy of your trust. So you check their credentials. Where did you train? How long have you been doing this? Do you have a website that I can look at? And listen to your own red flags. Mm-hmm. If something in you starts saying, you know, look out, look out, not safe, not safe. You got to listen. There's a reason. I was um, going to think we could switch to talk about life between lives. And um, now that we've covered the basis, which is really, uh, really helpful for people to understand. But um, as far as the life between lives session, um, what can someone kind of expect or not expect, you know, from something like this? Because I know some of them can be so different from each other. Uh, I can only talk about what I do and what I was trained to do. Um, the way I do a life between life session is actually three sessions. The first one where we talk about stuff and we make a plan. We talk about goals. And we do a practice hypnosis session um, to give the, the client a chance to get used to being hypnotized, get used to following my voice, get used to using the imagery that I give them. And then the second session is an actual past life regression session. Um, and so the first one might be an hour and a half. The second one might be two hours. And that's an actual past life regression where you start with the life. You come to the death experience, spend a little time in the afterlife looking at that one life. And if all goes well, then um, the, ne- the third session is the actual life between life. And that's four to five hours. And so expect it's going to be an entire afternoon. And it's not that it's not as difficult as it sounds, but you're going to sit in this chair for four hours. Um, First off, when you're in that trance state, you are not aware of time. You absolutely are not aware of time. You have no idea how long it's been. The only thing is if your bladder says it needs to go for a walk to the bathroom, then we can, we interrupt, we pause, go to the bathroom, come back and pick up where we left off. That's not hard to do at all. Um, we start with the death experience because that's how we go into, that's the natural progression. We, the bodies die, we leave, we go home. So we start with that. We do a brief past life, go to the death experience and then transition over to the um, spirit realm. Then we go, we go home. And um, the, one of the reasons that it takes so long is because you are coming from once you're in the spirit realms, once you're in that bardo or afterlife, whatever you call it, you are in a state of being that all wisdom, all knowledge, all everything is is infinite without limitation. It's like, you can't see this, but my arms are straight out. It's like, there's no limitations. You have all of this available to you. And then I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, where are you? Who's with you? You're talking to your guide. What is your guide telling you? You have to bring this information squeeze it down into the brain and from the brain it's got to come out of the mouth as language and it's not uncommon for there to be things that you experience in the spirit realms that we do not have words for colors feelings all sorts of 
experiences here that we cannot find the words for. So it's a struggle sometimes to get this into words and language to answer my question. So I might sit there for five, six minutes, 10 minutes, waiting for someone to answer the question because they've got to figure out how to put it into words that they can then say to me. And of course, I record everything. Um, but also there is so much to do over there because we spend time, um, we go through a healing process, we go through kind of an orientation where the usually guides and loved ones meet us. Um, oftentimes what um, Michael Newton calls the soul group, I call a soul family. It's like family with a capital F, like, like the ideal of family, right? We want to reunite with them and often we will do our life review with them and everything that we learned in that life in that life we just finished we share with them so everything that i learned i come back to you guys and i share with you so you got it too and there's different ways of doing that there's lots of celebration there's a lot of silliness laughter is very popular over there um music dance um fun just you know being connected and i've had clients that all they wanted was to go to their soul family they didn't want to do anything else because in their human lives they they lack that amazing connection and they want to experience that and that's all they need out of it that's all they want they want to be their soul family we talk about the soul family we do things like we look at the their their divine energy what color is your energy what colors come to you what is your soul name um, in this soul family, what is your role? I mean, every family, every one of us has a role in a given family. You've got the mom, the dad, the, the serious older sibling, the cut up younger sibling, the one who's a loner, the one who's gregarious. You know, you got every family has characters. What is your character? What is your role in this soul family? And how does this soul family learn? Because some of them, they're very serious. They're very um, studious. They always want to work on learning new things. And then you've got a group that are just, they're all comedians and they all play jokes at each other. <laughs> um, I had one person, we went through the whole process. She gets to the orientation. She steps through, she does the healing and, you know, her guides are here and she looks and there's a, an individual who is wearing, who looks like your quintessential satanic or Satan character all red with the horns and the tail and the trident and the forked tongue. And she's like, oh my God. And it was her guide who was just wearing the costume as a joke because she'd spent so much time in this, in her, in the life that she'd finished as an evangelist Christian that he showed up as the devil just to give her a hard time. Cause you know, they think they're funny. Um, <laughs> I hear my guides giggle a lot. It's like, oh my God, you're not gonna believe what she's about to do. Look at this. Um, so there's just a lot of joy and a lot of celebration, a lot of connection. And we can, you know, we can choose to go to uh, a lot of different places. We can check out the Akashic records. We can go see where what, what we're learning how to co-create. Um, we can look at other dimensions that we exist in. There's just this wonderful range, vast range of experiences that we can choose to go through. Um, or we can just stick to one or two. There's the pre-life selection where you go through the process of setting up your next life when you're ready you say okay guys you get your main your main guides out there i want to go and do this again and you go through the process of planning of negotiating um you, you create your blueprint for the life that you're about to step back into uh what are the things i'm going to learn who's going to be which roles in this life 
Um, and over, over after many, many lifetimes, we start developing relationships with other soul groups, not just our own soul family. So we work with other soul groups to do other things. Um, and we choose what, okay, I didn't finish this thing about self-love. I want to work on that a little bit. So let's bring that one in. And I got to work on the patient stuff because that one's just a, dead in the water. Let's bring that one in and um, negotiate who's going to do what and put it all together. And that's what you bring with you, that like that awareness, that knowing of your life plan when you go into the pre-birth um, regression, which is a separate technique that we do. Um, but when you go into the body for the first time, you're bringing all that knowledge with you. You know what this life is going to bring for you. You even know all the potential exits that might happen. And so we explore all those things as well. Wow. I love that. Um, I'm very curious that when people go under, like when they're in that trance, what is that experience like? Because everything you just described just sounds a little bit like a dream. It sounds fantastic, right? To kind of experience. Does it feel like you're watching a movie? Does it feel like you're in a dream? Does it feel like you're bringing up a memory? Like what is, what is that experience like? Uh, some people will look at it like it's happening to somebody else. Usually uh, that's a, a in a past life. That's my dog. Um, one of them. Uh, most often, ideally, you want it as if they're watching with their own eyeballs. Like it's all happening in the present now. That's ideal. Um, with a past life, sometimes people keep a safe distance. Well, I see this person and I know it's me and I watch them doing their things, but I'm I'm still here and I'm still in a safe place. Um, when you're doing the life between life work, uh, you are very much engaged in it. You are very much watching. What does it feel like? It feels like more than a dream. Um, you know, if I were to ask you to close your eyes and remember something really wonderful that happened recently, something that made you feel very good about yourself. And you could really get into the memory of it and remember how good that felt. And you kind of re-experience how good that felt. And you re-experience maybe you were getting together with some dear friends you haven't seen for a while. And it just felt so good to be with them again. And your eyes are closed and you can just see them all again and you can feel it. That's what it feels like, but more. It's the best way I can describe it. Um, there's a there's a state called hypnagogic, which is that moment when you're drifting off to sleep, but you're not asleep, or you're just coming out of sleep, but you're not really awake. That's kind of what it feels like, only deeper. It's the best way I can describe it. Wow. Yeah. That was that was great when you had us close our eyes and just kind of feel into that. Um so I'm only 31. That's what I like to say. I'm only 31. Uh, it has, so I've read through Michael Newton's books and I don't know if this is true or not, but you kind of have to reach a certain age before you're, you can experience L. Yeah. Okay. So how do you know if you're ready to um, have this experience? Usually it's like a five-year-old is not going to ask questions about calculus, right? So when you're ready and you start asking these questions, then, or you'll start asking these questions when you're ready, I guess is the, is the best way to describe it. I have worked with people who wanted so very much to do it, but they couldn't because they weren't really 
ready. So it's 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 a little bit fuzzy edge there. But um, as soon as someone starts asking these questions, it's time for them to start reading the books. And usually when someone wants very much to do it and they they have blocks like my daughter did, there's a reason for the blocks. And I ask, OK, why is this not happening the way we want it to? What is it that we need to do to move forward on this? And most often that's because there, there are other things in their current life that needs to be dealt with before they can move beyond the current life. So your current life is your prime directive. Your current life is your priority. And you have to be 100% in this life to get the most out of it. That's why we bother to come down here. So that's why someone said, well, if I had past lives, I know I would remember them. No, you don't. Mostly you don't because it would interfere with being in this life. So for example, if you um, had killed somebody in a previous life, let's say you were a mean bastard and you killed somebody, now you owe them, owe them on, you're, you're in, not in balance with that person. They call it karmic debt. You need to address that imbalance, right? So maybe you choose to be the one to give birth to them. Well, if that person remembers that you were a mean bastard and you killed them, they're not really going to want to be a happy childhood person. So it's going to interfere. So there's actually that 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 amnesia that um, blocks what we've been before so we can be 100% in this life. Yeah. That, Although that's, that really not, that's not absolutely true. I had one individual who was um sweet, sweet, lovely man, lovely man. Um, and he had a horrible relationship with his mother. He said, I cannot remember ever as far back as I can remember in my childhood that she ever was nice to me. It's a little hard to imagine, but he said, I have no memory of her ever being anything but but mean and super strict with my siblings my five siblings she was lovely with me no did a past life regression turns out he was a um serial killer in a previous life and he, she was the uh, very wealthy victorian family and the young son at the age of 14 raped and killed the parlor maid and then went on to rape and murder other prostitutes and servants so that he never he got away with it and there was something in this mother that just made her not want to bond with that child and we, we did a little bit of work on it but he needed to do more work he was just so shocked he came out of it going that that can't be right that that that's not real that can't be real that i would know never not ever but you know I was just going to ask, like, so I have a similar story. Um, and in a previous podcast, I was not forthcoming because I didn't want to talk about it, but now I feel compelled. So in my, in, in my past life regression and in my life between lives, what I really wanted to look at was my relationship with my parents, because my relationship with my parents is so tumultuous or volatile, I guess you could say. And um, so I really wanted to look at that and kind of figure it out because I, I want to be able to rectify it or be good in this life, right? And what came up in several lives was one of them or both of them had had violently killed me in a previous life. Um, in another life, I took revenge and I tried to kill one of them. 
And in another life, one of them like burned down my crops, which like back then or whatever, like I had this land and they, um, they purposely, they were a neighbor actually. And one of them was a neighbor and they burned down my crops and, and that kind of what started all this karma thing. And then I guess in this life, the contract was that I was going to come back as their child and they, and they needed to basically keep me alive. But my, I could not reconcile that I was, I was that in a past life. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't believe, and I got burned for it basically because I tried and I failed. And then basically they came back at me even harder. And so anyways, after that, I will say that it felt like this huge lift off my shoulders and it's like, okay, now I understand. And we've basically completed our contract in this lifetime thus far. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can, I can let this go and, and kind of be good with it. But for a long time, for a while, it's like, I can't believe that that was me at some point. And I was kind of in denial and also I had a little bit of resentment, like, how dare you poison me? Or how dare you strangle me? Like, and now, and also I had all these signs of like, at night, I would, I always put up my sheets or all the way up to my neck. I always protect my neck. And um, I, there's all, just all these signs in this lifetime that, uh, and you know, that that actually did happen. And and some of the memories, even after the, my sessions, some of these memories started to really kind of come up and come back. And I would even talk to my brother about it because he was in some of these lives as well. And he would, he's never had a past life regression or a life between lives, but he's really good at tapping in. And I don't know, he's, he just has like these certain gifts that are open and he would think about it and he'll be like, yeah, that, that sounds right. Or it kind of feels like he's kind of remembering some of these things as well. I don't know. There's no question there. I just wanted to share. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's interesting. Well, the other thing that I would ask is, or, or what my comment would be, um, that in those lives, you were taking turns being victims and assailants and learning because we'll do that. We'll switch roles. We'll put ourselves in situations that are, are negative or violent because we learn from them. As soul beings, we're learning from them. So it's, and honest to goodness, very few villains are where I'm going to go do bad things today. You know, it's, we are doing things all the time and not thinking of ourselves as doing bad things. You know, so the person who burned your crops was to go, oh, I'm going to do bad things today. It's, I'm going to go do this thing because I'm so mad and I'm going to let my emotions and my anger rule and control my choices. And it's part of our learning as soul beings. So on the on the spiritual side or on the on the in spiritual realms, it's not even judged as good and bad. It's just seen as a learning opportunity. And yeah, you got to get that karmic balance in because if you kill them and they kill you and you kill them and they it's never ending. I mean look mm -hmm. at look at what happened in, in Ireland. You got to find a way of bringing a balance, an understanding, a, a, a way of saying, okay, we're good. We're done. We did it. We learned it. Don't need to do it anymore. I love that. Yes. Amen to that. <laughs> don't have to. If you if you get it right this time, 
you don't have to do it again. So figure it out. And you know what? That was my goal. When I went to the, th- to the hypnotist, I was like, my goal is not to come back and have to learn this lesson. So I need to understand what lesson it is. I want it. I want it good. I don't yes. want to do it again. Yeah. Because I feel ex- my soul feels exhausted. <laughs> oh dear. You need a vacation life. <laughs> come back as, as someone's dog. Come back as one of my dogs. Wonderful. That's so funny because the other day I said, I don't know if I don't come back as a cat, I want to come back as somebody that's like very artistically inclined. Um, So I think I want to come back as a cat, as a cat next time. (laughs) Either a cat or a person who draws cats a lot. They just sleep and eat, right? (laughs) Well, there's the other things that they do, like knock stuff off your dresser and catch mice and, you know, chew up your carpet and pop your furniture and yeah <laughs> I think that's the craziest thing about doing these these journeys is that just bringing it to light seems to bring healing on its own yeah. oh yeah that's that's actually how things like past life regression or even age regression work is that you you um go to the core to the initial event and you bring it to the surface, you bring it to the light of day, to the to light of consciousness, and you understand what it's about, and you can release it. You don't have to carry it anymore. Even mm-hmm. to be able to say, well, I killed them, they killed me, and I killed them, and oh, that's really ridiculous. I don't want to do this anymore. Let's just, let's go out, get a cup of coffee and deal with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it that's, that's the healing piece, bringing it to the light of day. My favorite example of that, this is I've told this to the class as well. Um, this is in my book. Um, I, from as far back as I can remember, and I, my mother has a comment when I was two years old that I had an aversion to fish since I was tiny. Not a, an allergic reaction, but an aversion. And it became a physical aversion. Like if I touched raw fish, I would start to gag and lose. I And, and the smell of fish, no, can't stand it, can't. And if you ate fish and I stood next to you, I would have to leave. I can't, can't do it. And my poor husband, who is Norwegian and eats fish and loves fish, couldn't eat fish and sleep in his own bed because I can smell it on you. You have to be in the other room. So he only ate fish when he was on business trips. And it was just such an innate part of who I am that it never occurred to me that this is, a, this is not normal. Um, even going to the Boston Aquarium, when they have that huge tank in the center, I would get nauseous looking at the fish. So I went to this therapist and I said, I want to find out about some issues I have with certain members of my family. I want to have a more loving relationship with them. There are these barriers to that. I want to know what the past life history is of that. And I went into a past life. It was in fourth century Japan and the village, a tiny, tiny village was on land that was owned by these these powerful, wealthy warlords. I didn't know what they were at the time. Um, But the villagers would fish every day that they could, and they would dry the fish and give it to the the Lord uh, as rent. And the, the journey started, I'm on the beach with my mother and my younger sister. I'm a girl, about 12 years old. And the women would all be on the shore. And it was like a pebbly beach, not like a sandy beach. We're on the beach and we build these drying racks out of driftwood. The men would bring the fish in and we would gut them and put them on the drying racks to dry. And 
we did this for generations in this one spot, right? It was not allowed for women or girls to go in the water. It was bad luck. Women were not allowed to go on the boats. Girls were not allowed to go swimming. No. So I'm on the beach with my mother and we're doing our work. And out of the corner of my eye, I see riding down the dunes towards the shore, these three men on horses and they are in full uniform. Now I'd never seen a samurai up to that point. I looked it up afterwards. They're terrifying. The whole thing with the, the mask and the hood and the thing. And the, they're riding down and they look terrifying to me. And I mean, generations have been gutting fish on this beach and drying in the sun. You can imagine what it smelled like. And just as they're riding down and I could see their faces, the wind blew over us towards them. And of course they looked nauseated because of the smell. And I took that to mean that's how they saw us. We made them sick. They were nauseated by us. And they came down and so there was intense shame, which is a huge motivation for a lot of stuff that we do, especially the stupid stuff that we do. So they come down and they tell the whole group that we're not earning enough rent and that if we don't up the um, production, that he's gonna sell the land that our village is on to these two men. And they are not the least bit interested in us living there. They want it for hunting. They might keep some of the young girls, but other than that, they'd throw us all out. So we had to increase production, which meant the men going out in the boats when there was bad weather. And um, then the next scene is I'm standing on the shore and I'm watching the men, they're trying to get into shore, but there's a storm and they can't. And all the boats go down. And I grab a rope and I tie it around myself because I can't swim, but I wanna go get my father and rescue him. And of course I go in the water, my sister's holding the rope, I go in the water, the rope loosens and I drown. And I drown believing in that shame believing that we are disgusting and that it's all bad. So that was the story. I come out of that and I'd gone into that. Uh, what the end result is, of course, all the men died. They threw us out. My mother died. My younger sister was taken by those men and used. And it was all my fault because I failed. We take on silly ideas. So I come out of this and I just look at my therapist and I go, that's why I can't stand fish. And she went, what? And I explained it to her. From that point on, I love fish. I love sushi. Salmon's my favorite, although I'm very fond of haddock. No problem. I was just going to All I have to do is bring it to the surface. That's why. And I let go of the shame and of the guilt and of that nausea that would, you know, that fish would inspire in me. No problem. That's how it heals. You bring okay. it to the surface, you recognize it. I'll call it, name it and claim it. Name the issue and take your power back. Mm. Sorry, I do get carried away. I love no. it. No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Welcome. That's my own story. Um, and my husband, that's what convinced my husband that maybe there's something to this whole past lives thing because he saw the change, the dramatic change in me. And of course it benefited his life. So that's why he's actually done a past life journey with me. That's awesome. 
Do you have any other stories of enlightenments or outcomes of any of your clients from I'm sure I do. LBLs? Um, I can't share a whole lot because there is that that confidentiality. I can most more share some of my own stuff. And this is very, very personal, but I don't mind talking about it. Um, it's another demonstration of how this kind of work makes such a powerful, positive difference in our lives. So brief moment in my own personal history, I am a survivor of childhood molestation. And um, when I did my own, I, I had to do a lot of my own healing work, a lot of my own anger work. When, but you know, it just, th that last piece wasn't quite there until I did my own, I did an LDL. When you're doing your training, of course, you're going to do the, you know, you're going to practice with each other, just like you practice with each other when you do the past life regression, right, Anna? Um, you've done several now. I have. Um, and I get to, you know, the trans state and the spiritual realms and waiting there along with other loved ones is the individual who caused the damage. The the person who, who hurt me when I was a, a child and I saw who he really was. And I recognized what actually happened, that I was going to be a healer when I grew up, eventually, and I needed to have the tools, the best tools I could bring to each session with each client. And one of the most powerful tools is empathy. And I needed to experience certain things that... I could then bring to my work with my clients and have that, that empathy. So I actually asked him to do that. It wasn't that he was being a bad guy. He was doing something that I asked him to do because there was love between us. And I could recognize that and I could see that. And that was the final piece to my lifelong healing and it it changed everything it changed even it rippled back and changed my my childhood because there was nothing but love behind all of that there was nothing but love and he took on being the bad guy you know with a black hat because i asked him to because of love that did it that for me, that was just the biggest healing moment. And I talk about it because it demonstrates what I'm trying to say, that this changes your life. You see yourself in a divine way, as opposed to I'm just this body and whatever this body's experienced. I am so much more. And everyone that you encounter is so much more. And I can, if I'm in the right frame of mind, I can go into a Wegmans, which is this huge grocery store here in the, in the Northeast. Actually, they're down in Virginia too. Um, they're huge. They're like warehouse huge. And I can stand in the store and I can open myself and I can link with every soul energy of each individual human being in that store. Because I have been in through that experience and I know what that feels like I can allow myself to experience for a moment, not very long, because it's a little overwhelming, but I can feel the soul energy of every human being in that store. 
and it's it it's almost like it's Christmas. It, that's what it feels like. It's Christmas all the time. So it's it changes you. It changes you in ways you have no idea. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us. That was really really powerful and moving and um you know really resonates with me when I first went down this path I tried to go into a past life and I we actually didn't but I did a womb regression and I had a lot of surgeries when I was a kid and I have a metal hip and that was one of my questions was you know what was the purpose of this and that was the first first reason that they said was empathy and I was I had never thought of it like that before but being able to identify with people who've had chronic pain who's you know, who have disabilities and just, you know, said your life path would have been so different if you had not gone through that chronic pain, that series of events in your childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it was amazing. And then I had some homework to do um, as far as like, the, the, you know, this life and working on doing some forgiveness pieces before I could go into a past life and understand certain aspects of, of things I had, uh, you know, with family members actually. So I could bring that forgiveness piece from this life and move it into the past where in the past, I was like, I'm not going to forgive you. I'm pissed at you right now. Where if I had gone into that into the past, I would have just had that same energy to bring in. Right. You have to be ready to to go through that process. It's a process of change. Yeah. You're changing yourself. You're becoming a better version of yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. And as humans, we can choose, and we often do choose a life of adversity because we learn more mm-hmm. when we have to struggle, when we have to move through difficulties then we get it more clearly. Um, and we choose to suffer because that teaches us things. Like you said, that empathy. Um, if someone wanted to quit smoking, I've helped many people quit smoking. I have never been a smoker. So I don't have that peace. But if you go talk to my partner, my business partner, she was a smoker. So I send everyone to her now because she knows, she understands what it's like to be a smoker, to have that addictive behavior and to want to change it and to struggle against your own behavior. It's important. You mentioned a book earlier. Can you tell us a little bit about your book, what it's what it's called and where people can... Oh, um, it's called... It's actually two books. It's called Path of Wellness, Past Life Regression as a Healing Modality. Um, the first one is a, a theory. They're not. They're, they're mostly for my classes. So I put together all of my notes and all the handouts and things that I would give me to my classes. And this was I published this in 2016. Um, and so I could just send my students this book. And then the second book is all the scripts, which is the things that you use when you're doing hypnosis and past life regression. And um, I, it was simply to make it easier for my students. Um, you can get it on Kindle, on um, Amazon, and you get it on Kindle, absolutely. Or you can contact me, and I'll send you a copy. Um, and I'll even sign it. So uh, it's mostly just educating. This is the, the theory is this is what age regression is. This is what memory is. This is what a pre-birth awareness is. This is what past life regression is. And then the other one is the workbook, the practicum where you are doing, you have all the scripts and things. Now I have to redo all of it because I've got so much more material. I've got a, so many more scripts to use, so much more information um, that I need to re- set, publish a second 
edition. Amazing. And if someone is interested in taking your class or program, where can they find that? Uh, they would have to go to my website, uh, which is uh, theroseheartcenter.com. And um, I, I teach twice a year in the spring and in the fall. And I just finished doing the fall program. Um, I'm going to be doing it starting in early, either late January or early February. I will start. And it's seven weekends not consecutive weekends, it's about three months, but it's seven weekends where we work online um, and all the information's on my website and I'm gonna post the new dates very soon, one of these days. Um, so yeah, and I do, the, it's professional training. The credentials are professional level credentials. And if you wanna learn to do the Michael Newton, uh, the Life Between Life work, you have to have the preliminaries, which are hypnosis and past life regression. So I teach you the hypnosis and the past life regression, and then you go to the Michael Newton Institute to do the training for the life between life work itself. So I do the prerequisites. Highly, highly, highly recommend your program. You. Yes. I love to teach. As you can tell, I love to blather on about this stuff. Just tell me when to stop. No, you're just a wealth of knowledge. And, and I love how hands-on you are. So we got a lot of, lot of real practice to actually try and, you know, be the client and to experience it. Yeah. I think having that is such a big piece. Absolutely. It's not just there. You have to, because I always say to all my students, your, your clients are your best teachers. Every person is different. Every client is going to bring in their own stuff and you have to be able to work with that. And as Anne was finding out, um, when we got into the advanced stuff that you've got to think on your feet. Yeah. You don't quite know what they're going to bring to you. You don't quite know what they're going to say. And then you've got to be able to walk beside them. So. Well, I'll tell you, I witnessed uh, Anna practicing over the last week and I actually, she didn't know that she was going to practice. I kind of put her on the spot. We were, we were in this like uh, circle. We were all practicing a different modality and she had mentioned that she does Reiki and hypnosis at the same time. And I said, oh, Anna, do you want to practice hypnosis as well? And, you know, she was on it. She was good on job. it. So good. <laughs> without a Excellent. script too, Virginia, without a script. <laughs> you know, you can actually use Reiki while they're in the trance state. I've done that. It helps them go deeper. And I've also used a technique called EFT, which we learned in class mm -hmm. while they're in hypnosis too. So you can do a lot of stuff, combine a lot of different layers of techniques mm -hmm. all energy yeah yeah and for our listeners so now you have two resources actually three resources if you guys remember from our season one we had another hypnotist on here you guys can look that up but we also now have virginia um to reach out to if you're interested in the classes and we also have anna who yes. is who is offering um hypnosis um sessions. So please reach out. And if you have any questions, let us know. Also, please uh, give us a review. Uh, tell us whether you're interested. If you have any questions, let us know what you thought about uh, this episode.